by and large, the relationship is a positive thing. It's something that enhances the quality of your life. It's not something that weighs you down. And if it does, then you need to address that. You're listening to CWC Talks, a podcast from the University of Florida Counseling and Wellness Center. In each episode, we discuss mental health topics related to the experience of being a student and share the struggles and joys of taking care of your mental health while in college. Please note, CWC Talks is not a substitute for counseling and may be sensitive for people who have experienced trauma. All guests' views are their own and do not speak for the CWC, the University of Florida, or the mental health profession as a whole. Today we are talking about communicating effectively in a romantic relationship. With me today is registered mental health counseling intern, John Pitkethley. John works for a private practice in Gainesville. He works with both individuals and with couples, and he just so happens to be my husband of 15 years. Welcome, John. Thank you, Olivia. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be talking to you today. Um, we've had our share of, you know, communication struggles throughout our our dating relationship and in our married life. And mm-hmm. like I said, you see couples in um, when in your counseling practice. So what what would you say is the biggest challenge with couples in their communication styles? Um, when they come into your office? I would say the biggest challenge that I find most couples is understanding one another. It's not talking. They can talk just fine. It's talking to be understood, uh, listening to be understanding. Those are the main problems. Uh, A lot of people talk to make their point but they're so focused on their point that they're not listening to the person who's talking to them. So instead of uh, listening to understand, they're only listening to respond. Mm. And, and the response is usually in the form of an argument or a disagreement. Um, so they're really not communicating with each other. And I, one of the things that I try to tell couples when they first start is that talking does not equal communication. Talking is a part of communication, but communication is not just talking. It's also listening and understanding. And if you don't have listening, if you don't have understanding, then you really don't have communication. And that's why a lot of discussions uh, slash arguments uh, seem to go around in circles. Can you tell me like, what does good listening look like? Well, again, if you remind yourself that you're listening to understand the other person, that requires you to drop your guard and to stop thinking of yourself as the target of the conversation and actually listen to what the other person is saying in order to understand what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And you don't have to agree with them. It's not a matter of agreeing, having to agree with whatever that other person says. It's a matter of listening so that you understand what they're talking about and what they mean when they say certain things. Uh, Because a lot of times certain words have different meanings for different people. And depending on how 
the relationship is set up, uh, certain words can be fighting words when they don't need to be. Mm, okay. So a couple of different things come to mind. Um, one is I, when you said that certain words are, can be fighting words and certain words can be misconstrued. Um, what comes to mind is actually um, an argument we had when we were dating many years ago, um, mm-hmm. where you said that I was being selfish and I heard that I am selfish. Right. So that was a huge conversation. We don't need to get into the nitty gritty of that, right. but that that go, I wish that there was somebody there at that moment who was recording us, you know, so that we could really understand what was going on in that moment. But probably what would have been beneficial back then was if I let my guard down, like you said, and I repeated back to you what I thought I heard. Sure, so sure. I, you would have, you would have said, you know, oh, I think you're being selfish. And then I would have returned, oh, you right. think I'm selfish. And then you. Well, that wouldn't be the exact way. What you would say is what I hear you saying is that I'm selfish. Okay. Because again, you got to think of the focus. The focus is not on you. The focus is on the other person and what they mean by it. Mm-hmm. And when, when, if you were to say what I, what I am hearing you saying, or what I hear you say is that I'm a selfish person. That is very specific. It's not um, an attack on me. Mm-hmm. What it's asking me to do is clarify what I'm saying, because obviously, th- well, not obviously, but in my mind, obviously, <laughs> that's not what I meant, mm-hmm. but that's how you interpreted it. And because that's how you interpreted it, that's what you went on. And, you know, we, we go on what we believe is actually happening, whether it's true or not, what we believe is how we respond. I like the response of what I hear you saying is because having those I statements is a big part of communication too. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel anxious when you X, Y, Z, you know, or I feel upset when this happens, you know, that's taking ownership of your own feelings. And by not using the word you, like you're making me feel bad, Right. You know, how many times have have we said that, you know, throughout mm-hmm. our lives, not not just with each other, but, you know, with friends and with family and coworkers. And mm-hmm. um, but that puts that other person on the defensive. You know, right. when you- it, well, a lot of times, as soon as you start saying you do this or you need to do that or you, 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 that's taken as an attack. And of course, when you're under attack, the natural reflex is to go on guard. You have to raise your guard. And when you raise your guard, you're not listening anymore. You're not listening to understand. You're defending yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to defend yourself, that's when it turns into uh, that round, that roundhouse kind of argument where you don't seem to go anywhere with it. 
it's just a circular argument that doesn't seem to have a solution. And that's because one or both people are on the defensive to the point where they're not listening to the other person, they're protecting themselves. Sort of like a survival mode, even if you want. So when working with couples, how do you get them to lower their defenses? Is that a struggle? Well, yes, (laughs) because (laughs) the thing is that, you know, we need our defenses because sometimes we are under attack. So uh, it's not that our defenses are wrong or that we shouldn't have them. It's just that if we're going to resolve this discussion, we need to lower our defenses and listen to one another, not to respond to one another, but to understand one another. Even if we don't agree, we could go the whole way through and never actually agree on, you know, who's right, who's wrong or anything like that. But listening to understand what the other person is saying, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, um, not listening to, first of all, uh, prepare yourself for your defense, and then to use those words to attack them. Mm -hmm. So if you and I are having a discussion, I would say something along the lines of, I hear what you're saying. Um, I, I hear you saying that you're very nervous about something. I hear you saying that you're upset about something. And that names the feelings that you've already said. It shows you that I've heard what you said. Does it validate, too, your feelings? Uh, It can, and that's communication, because what you're demonstrating is that you understand what I'm feeling. You may not agree with why I feel the way I feel, Mm -hmm. but at least you understand what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it. And then there's, that's the place where, you know, you can have a conversation. You can actually discuss a solution perhaps, or at least come to terms with the disagreement instead of it escalating into a full scale argument and accusations and defenses and, you know, going to war with your mate, Mm -hmm. uh, which is never a, a productive thing. Right. I know when I've worked with couples in the past, I've um, spoken to them about like fair fighting rules. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you ever do anything like that with your couples? Yes. Yes. We want to make sure that when we're expressing ourselves, we're expressing what we hear and how we feel, not what they're saying and how their words hurt us. That has to be the focus because otherwise it's it comes across as aggression or something that needs to be defended Mm -hmm. and whether it's meant that way or not um you know it comes across that way and then frustration sets in uh, a sense of injustice can set in that i'm being treated unfairly and uh once that starts rolling uh it can only escalate from there as far as the argument is concerned. It could start off as a small argument about an insignificant thing and turn into a huge 
uh, argument about something serious that, you know, could damage the relationship or the person could say something in frustration or in anger to insult the other person. And then, of course, that takes it to a whole new level also. Right. That was one of the of the rules that I remember putting into place with couples that I worked with. You know, you don't insult each other. You don't call each other names. You know, you don't curse at each other mm-hmm. um, because those those are just trigger words that are just going to escalate, escalate the argument. Right. And every couple argues. You know, oh, I, yeah. I think that healthy... I think when people think, oh, healthy communication, it means that, oh, you know, this couple never argues and and they get along so great and everything's, you know, peachy keen when that's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Well, it's unrealistic. And any couple that comes in and says, we've never argued, uh, I have to ask, all right, which one of you submits? Mm. Because there's no way two different people, no matter who they are, live together for a long time and agree on everything. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just not possible. So at some point, if you've been together 20 years and you've never had an argument, it's because one person makes a decision and the other person follows. Mm-hmm. That's how you don't have an argument. So not arguing is not necessarily a uh, sign of a healthy relationship. I mean, it's good that you don't argue, but it's not a sign that you're doing things correctly or that it's an, uh, a fair relationship or an equal relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's what you said, it's fighting fair and not reducing the discussion to personal insults, accusations, um, you know, different things that people tend to do when they get angry and frustrated Um, because once it goes down that path, now we're talking, it's more of a battle Mm -hmm. and a battle, of course, injures both sides, whether whoever wins, quote unquote wins, there's, there is no winner really, because it's going to damage the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, if we have an argument over something and I say something to you that personally insults you or causes you to feel bad about yourself or, you know, I, I use, you know, being your husband, I know certain things about you that other people may not know. Mm -hmm. So I could use that as a weapon if Mm -hmm. I wanted to. And by saying those things, I'm actually reinforcing things that you already think about yourself and I'm using it as a tool to hurt you. And that's, that's a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. for for me to do or vice versa mm-hmm. so we have to refrain from doing those things even though we have that in our arsenal so to speak we have to refrain from using those weapons because it's not fair fighting it's not really fighting now you're not fighting about the issue now you're just insulting each other and trying to demean each other and that's a totally different thing mm-hmm. I think about one um, tactic where we externalize the problem. We Mm -hmm. don't make it about each other. We make it about the problem itself. Right. So like, for instance, if I'm upset with you because you haven't taken out the garbage 
you know, I'm not going to attack you about, well, first of all, I wouldn't attack you about taking out the garbage. I save my battles for much bigger things. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I'm going to say, you know, something along the lines of the garbage needs to be taken out. Yes. And what can you and I do to work on that problem? Right. I may not phrase it that way and it may not be like the garbage is the problem, but that's just kind of like a small example of what it could be. It's it's just a way of reframing the conversation Mm -hmm. so that it's not an attack on me. It's uh, pointing out a problem that needs to be resolved. And if I'm paying attention, then it's for me to take out the garbage Mm-hmm. Because if you're not just talking, if you tell me the garbage really stinks, it needs to be taken out. I, if I think that that's just a statement of fact, and then I go back to my, yeah. my show or whatever it is I'm doing, I'm not really in touch. I'm not listening to understand, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to understand that that's what you mean. What you're saying to me is take the garbage out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's an interesting segue into something else that uh, when men and women are talking to each other, um, knowing when the discussion has to do with something that, that you need to do or something that you just need to listen to, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like if you say to me, the garbage stinks, it needs to be taken out. I'm not going to sit there and talk to you about your feelings about stinky garbage. <laughs> right. Right. Because that's not the answer that would really upset you. Uh, the answer is to get up and take the garbage out. Um, if well, you, if I could kind of like backtrack a little bit, yeah. what would be prudent for me if I want you to take out the garbage is to say, Hey, John, could you please take out the garbage? Right. Right. Well, being direct is uh, definitely a, uh, a good way to do it, but it depends on the communication style that you're used to and how comfortable you are. Um, You don't want it to become instructions like a parent to a child. Mm. And when you, when you talk to your spouse or your partner, um, it needs to be on an equal footing. When you're talking to a child, you're not on an equal footing you're the parent, the child is the child, you're giving them instruction. Mm-hmm. When you're talking to your spouse, you are giving them instruction, but as an equal, as a peer, mm-hmm. not as a parent or as a supervisor. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be framed differently so that it doesn't come across that way. Because if it does, that can start an argument that can cause resentment, that can cause a miscommunication, that could cause a shutdown of listening. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be ideal for me to say, boy, that garbage really stinks. Would you mind taking it out? Let's say it's a new relationship or or you just haven't had a healthy communicating relationship before in this circumstance, starting off by saying, you know, the garbage really stinks. Um, would you mind taking it out? That 
that's a direct way of putting it where you're not instructing them to do it. You're asking them to do it. Mm -hmm. And based on the response, if, if that works, great. If it doesn't, then perhaps a more direct instruction might be appropriate. But now we're talking about, you know, creating a possible argument. Mm -hmm. Um, It really depends on the relationship. And when I'm working with couples, we have to figure out what their relationship looks like before we get into all that. Because every relationship we have is unique. The, The dynamic between two people is unique to the, to the universe. So if two people come in and they're talking to me about uh, taking out the trash or something like that, I have to first see what their relationship looks like uh, as far as expectations are concerned. What are the social norms? What are a cultural norms, even if, if they're, you know, from different areas of the country or around the world, um, there might be a different expectation, um, maybe a more traditional gender role or uh, whatever. We have to figure out what that is first, just so that we know what we're dealing with. Not that we have to condone it or, you know, enable it or enforce it, but so that we know what it is. And we know that this is one of the problems. It, if it is a problem, it needs to be addressed in and of itself especially if you have a mixed culture or a mixed relationship with different cultures, cultural backgrounds, because it could be a cultural dilemma that needs to be worked out. Mm -hmm. And I've had couples that have exactly that. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of their communicating as much as it's a matter of their expectations. And we have to work out what those expectations are and if they're realistic and if they're not, what is realistic and how can each person accommodate the other without, uh, you know, becoming someone else's servant? Uh, you want to keep yourselves on an equal footing with each other, uh, but at the same time, accommodate each other as an equal, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that you're not just submitting to the other person's will. So if somebody were listening to this podcast right now and they're in a relationship and they're not really sure if they need couples counseling, what are some signs that would maybe point to, yes, they need it, or maybe some questions that they can ask themselves about whether to determine whether or not they need couples counseling? Well, do they communicate? But I mean, communicate as and has been described here. Um, when one person talks, does the other person listen? And when they listen, do they really understand? Or is it more of a, you know, tr- a defensive thing where one person talks, the other person prepares their response, and it turns into a battle? Um, I would say that that's definitely a couple that could use a counselor because a counselor is an objective or a competent counselor is an objective person who's not part of the, of the relationship dynamic. So there's a lot more freedom in a counseling session uh, to say certain things that you wouldn't say or couldn't say in without the counselor present. And uh, with the counselor, 
uh, there's an expectation of what's healthy. The, the counselor is looking for something that's healthy, not, um, not to impose a certain type of communication but, you know, to the couple. But if, if one person is talking and the other person just doesn't listen or isn't listening to understand, then the counselor needs to stop the conversation and point that out. Mm-hmm. And there are different exercises like the, you know, I feel uh, what I hear you saying type thing mm-hmm. that can be practiced. That's, that's a good exercise. Um, but that's usually where the communication breakdown is located. It's, it's in understanding uh, or lack of understanding. So the counselor needs to first understand and then stop the conversation so that it can be clarified what's actually being said and what is, what is being meant by it. And by doing that, you're also giving permission to that other partner or to both partners to do the same. You know, if you're not sure, stop and clarify. Right. Exactly. Especially if, if you're not sure, or maybe you hear that the other person is not hearing you, not not understanding you. Um, they're taking it completely different than the way that you intend. Continuing to say it over and over is not going to fix it because they're just going to continue to hear it the same way. Mm-hmm. The conversation actually needs to be stopped. Clarity needs to be given clarification of what's being said and what is meant by it. And then understanding on both sides that, you know, so that the conversation can continue. But usually that's, I mean, you can do that as a couple, but most couples don't do that naturally. It usually happens in a counseling session. It usually happens in a couple session. And that's why we have couples counseling because otherwise it wouldn't happen at all. It would just continue to be this, you know, circular argument that doesn't help anything and actually hurts the relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about that um, YouTube clip that you showed me, and I'm going to include it in our episode notes. It's not about the nail. Mm-hmm. And that's one that you typically share with your clients, too. Right. Right. That's a good one. Um, yes. Um, men and women communicate differently many times. Um, and that I think is by design because of certain tasks that we have been assigned by nature as far as child birth and, 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 and rearing and stuff like that. In the modern world though, we can't just rely on, uh, nature to, to dictate how things are going to go because we live in different times now and there's, there's different expectations um, for equal say, uh, equal responsibility in various things, not just uh, childcare, but home care, uh, working and bringing home an income. Uh, there's all that going on, but the old way of interpreting it or framing it 
can still be there because that's more of a societal thing. That's mm-hmm. something that's kind of taught to us by society, not not on purpose necessarily, just it that's just the way society tends to work. And so if we don't understand where the other person is coming from, as far as their, I guess you could say acculturation to to wherever you are, it it becomes muddy. It, 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 it's not communication anymore. It's mm-hmm. two people talking, but not communicating. Mm-hmm. And I think with, with men, generally speaking, we have a different style or expectation of communication. And women have a different style and expectation of communication. And not that one is better or worse than the other. They're just different. But at the same time, we need to understand where the other one's coming from. That doesn't give them a pass. It doesn't mean that you can, you just have to say, oh, well, because you're a man, I'm going to let you do that. Or you're because you're a woman, I'm going to let you do that. But at least an understanding of where it's coming from and why it's there. Mm -hmm. And then you can work on it if the other person's willing to work on it, Mm -hmm. Um, modifying certain aspects of communication so that it is more clear Mm -hmm. so that it is understanding you're talking and you're being heard and you're being understood. And that's kind of like what's highlighted in the, in the video. It's not about the nail, right? You know, just for our listeners to understand there's uh, a heterosexual couple on a couch, a man and a woman, and the woman has a nail stuck in her head like a a, like a hammer and nail nail and uh the man is and she keeps complaining about a headache and what is he doing he's trying to solve the problem take the nail out of your head but she's like no you're not hearing me i'm in a lot of pain and she's just looking for someone to validate the pain that she's experiencing right Right. And it's a, I mean, it's a joke. It, the whole thing is, is a joke. So mm-hmm. it's not to be made to, to be taken literally. Right. Um, if someone has a nail in their head, they do need to have it pulled out. Of course. <laughs> um, right. But the, it's illustrating the point that the expectation sometimes is not uh, for you to do something to resolve the issue. The expectation is to listen to the person so that you understand them and then empathize with them and even validate their feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Nothing more than that. Mm -hmm. It's also a good idea for couples. Like if they want to talk about something and they kind of lay out their expectations to that other person and say, look, I want to talk to you about this. I just want to vent. I don't want you to problem solve. I don't want you to go and kick somebody's butt. Mm -hmm. You know, I just want to vent my Mm -hmm. emotions right now. Or sometimes, hey, help me figure out this problem. Right. You know, so just kind of preempting the conversation Mm -hmm. with with what your expectation. What what you, what kind of a response you're looking for. Right. Yes. I agree. That would be, that would be great. Uh, but we're not always going to think of that. You know, right. life isn't that easy, isn't that clean. Mm-hmm. So 
We just have to know intuitively that's what's going on. And the only way we get to know intuitively is by spending time with one another and working on it, Mm -hmm. Um, working on the relationship, uh, going to counseling, you know, having an objective person listen and, and both partners coming to understand the other partner. And again, you don't have to agree with them. It's not about agreeing with them. It's about understanding them. Mm-hmm. I know with technology, it's helped us keep in touch, you know, with other people through social media, through texting, sending pictures, things like that. But mm-hmm. I've found that communicating over text can sometimes lead to some arguments among people. Well, communicating over text is very easy and efficient and good for certain things. Mm-hmm. Like uh, what time are you going to be home or can you stop off and pick up some milk on the way home? That's, you know, but if you're going to have an actual discussion, especially a discussion about something important, mm-hmm. uh, it needs to happen verbally, at least over the phone verbally, but better face to face because while technology does allow us to communicate long distances, it's also a barrier because mm-hmm. there are certain modes of communication that don't come across. Certainly in a text, you don't get the tone of what the person is saying. Uh, you don't see any body language. You don't see facial expressions. You don't see any of that. And because there's, it's not there, the other person has no choice but to fill it in with what they choose. And sometimes it's accurate and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. And when it's not accurate, it, can cause a big problem. Mm -hmm. And so I I often encourage my clients to not communicate either heavy subjects or complex subjects through text Um, because it just is just too many room. There's too much room for miscommunication. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know how my thing is, if, if, if you text me and I text you back and then you text me again and I text you back, if you text me a third time, I'm going to call you (laughs) because at that point it's a conversation and we need to to at least be talking uh, with our voices so we can hear the fluctuation in our voice. We can hear the tone. We can hear all these aspects of communication that we a lot of times don't even take notice of, but are very important in understanding the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've uh, told you about the phrase, I didn't say Mary stole the money, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you have to tell our listeners. Okay. If you write, I didn't say Mary stole the money, and you just write it out and show it to someone, they're going to probably read it. I didn't say Mary told the money, stole the money. Mm-hmm. But you could say, I didn't say Mary stole the money. 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 Mm-hmm. Just by each one, that's the same sentence, but each time I said it, it had different meaning because of the way I emphasized a word. And um, that is true for a lot of our conversations. And if you're texting back and forth, 
a deep discussion about something personal and certainly emotional, you don't want to be doing it through text because text leaves out so much and the person who's on the other end trying to fill in the gaps is going to fill it in and human nature being what it is, it's probably going to be negative. It's probably going to be the worst possible interpretation. Um, we need to at least hear each other uh, with our voice. But of course, the best thing is in person. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine the same can be said where the same challenges um, occur to long distance relationships where they have mm -hmm. to rely on, on technology. Certainly. But then they would have to come up with a plan to be able to see each other in person. Right. If possible. Right. I mean, if someone is in a battle somewhere right. in, in the military, off on a ship somewhere, that's not really possible. So mm -hmm. technology might be the only option, but that's not a long-term solution. It's a short-term mm -hmm. solution. Mm -hmm. The long-term solution is being together mm -hmm. because you love each other and that's where you want to be. Mm -hmm. That's the long-term solution. And if you don't, then why are you in the relationship in the first place? <laughs> Right. Right. What do you like about working with couples? Um, well, working with couples is interesting because I'm really treating the relationship. I'm not treating the individual. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing individual counseling, I'm treating the individual, the person where when I'm working with couples, I'm advocating for the relationship to be a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's not about the individuals. It's about the dynamic between them. Um, sometimes I'll, we'll start with couples counseling and then I'll realize that before couples counseling is going to work, both of them will need individual counseling mm -hmm. because they have issues that go back to before their relationship and that they're bringing those issues into their relationship. And it's sort of uh, something that needs to be worked on individually first. And then you could work on as a, as a couple. A lot of times, like someone will come in and let's say I, I see a couple for the first time. And then I realize that there are issues that are really causing the problem that have nothing to do with the couple it has to do with how they were raised or it has to do with a trauma that they had mm -hmm. a long time ago um, or not so long ago. Uh, that's when I would say, okay, instead of meeting every week as a couple, let's meet once a month as a couple and we'll meet individually uh, on a weekly basis, except during the week when we meet as a couple. Mm -hmm. And I think, that works better because you're actually working on the individual and the problem that the individual is having, mm -hmm. because until you fix that, you're not really going to fix a, re a relationship that's not working. If one of the problems is the individual. Mm -hmm. Now, if the problem is the relationship, the way the relationship is structured, the way it's executed. Okay. Yes. Then the relationship, you definitely want couples counseling. A competent counselor will hopefully be able to sort all that out in the first meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, what the exact problem is. Is it a relationship problem? Is it a problem with the individual? One of the individual or both the individuals might have mm -hmm. their own issues that mm -hmm. are not related to each other. 
um, that need to be worked on before you start doing couples work. And if you find the same problem occurring over and over in a relationship, that's a good time to go talk to a counselor as an individual, because obviously your selection process has something to do with that. And you need to figure out what your selection process is, why it is the way it is, and see if it needs to be adjusted. Mm-hmm. Well, John, it has been great talking to you. And not just talking to you, but understanding you and communicating (laughs) with you. What is, what is one piece of advice you could offer to our listeners who, you know, mostly comprise of college students in regards to relationships? Well, a relationship needs to be an equal partnership. Now, equal partnership doesn't mean you do exactly the same thing, uh, but on balance, it needs to be fair. It needs to be two people that are together as equals, not one dominating over the other or controlling the other. Um, And if you're not in a relationship where you feel like you're being heard or you're being understood, or that you're even being respected, or that you um, are being discounted or minimized or whatever, that, that's a good indication that you should either seek out a counselor or seek out a, another relationship, <laughs> because um, that it shouldn't look that way. That's not the way it should look. It, it, it should be our relationships with other people, and this is not just romantic relationship, this is just with other people, a relationship with another person should enhance the quality of my life Mm. or your life. And if it's not enhancing the quality, and I don't mean in a selfish way, I don't mean in a self-serving way. I'm talking about in a, uh, I'm talking about happiness. I'm talking about self-respect. I'm talking about esteem. It, it needs to enhance those things. It needs to be a source of strength. And if your relationship is not a source of strength in your life, if it's a source of, of pain and a source of uh, doubt and a source of anxiety and stress and strain, um, seek help. Get professional help from a counselor who knows what they're doing and uh Get your partner in there, too. If you can't get your partner in there right away, then go individually for a little bit. See how much progress you can make individually. But at some point, the partner needs to step on on board because if they don't, then you're left with the unfortunate dilemma of you either accept the way things are and you just go about living a mediocre or miserable existence with this person or you end the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody wants either of those things uh, offhand. I think what we want is to be in a healthy relationship, being in a a relationship that brings about health and happiness, satisfaction, joy. Um, It's not always going to look like that because relationships are difficult and we're going to have disagreements and we're going to have good days and bad days. But 
by and large, the relationship is a positive thing, is something that enhances the quality of your life. It's not something that weighs you down. And if it does, then you need to address that. All right, John. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. And um, I, when I get home, I will take out the trash. <laughs> I already did it. Oh, yay. I knew I married you for a reason. <laughs> oh, thanks for taking out the trash. Thanks for listening. You can find CWC Talks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Please leave us a rating and review us. Email us at cwc-talks at ufl.edu with your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Show notes, resources, and more can be found at counseling.ufl.edu slash cwctalks.